Hello, everyone. I think we started exactly on time or just maybe 30 seconds before. It is Thursday, believe it or not, uh, and it's one o'clock again uh, on the East Coast. So it is another episode of the MSP Initiative. I am joined today by uh, a good friend in the industry. I know that we say that every week, but you know, uh, Dan Wensley, uh, who's currently with Warranty Master, but Dan's been uh, in the game for a long time. How you doing, Dan? I'm well, George. I come by this gray hair, honestly, I'll tell you that much. Was it better gray or bald? Which would you have? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't have to worry about getting a haircut during a pandemic as much as I do. So This is true. This is true. The, the good old razor blade just is, uh, is as far as I need to go, right? My, right. My, yeah, so I, I feel you. I do. How's, uh, so you're based out of Canada. Where, where in Canada are you? So I'm actually, I live in Toronto, um, but it's funny, George, all the businesses I've run have been in Canada, but outside of, of Toronto. So Level Platforms back in the day was out of Ottawa, which was a four-hour drive. Uh, Pass Portal was out of Calgary, which was a four-hour flight. And now we're, we're Warranty Master headquartered in Vancouver. Uh, which I'm out to every other week, ended up getting a place out there as well. Um, and we have a development office in Quebec as well. Wow. So like hardcore Canada, which is good. You mentioned right before this that you just got on and off a plane. My last flight, as many of us, was uh, March 13th. I, I flew back from, from Vancouver on Friday, March 13th. We shut down the office over that weekend, George, and went 100% uh, remote. And my first flight back to Vancouver uh, to both check out my condo. And, and we actually put some management team members back into the office last week. Um, so we uh, put about eight, eight managers and directors who begged to get out of their home offices and, and into, so we opened up the office again to start to create, you know, that process. But yeah, it was the first flight I'd been on in months, which has probably been 20 years at least since that's been the period of time between flights. What's your airline of choice? So since Passportal was in Calgary, I moved from Air Canada to WestJet. So WestJet's a big carrier up here in Canada, does a lot of the Toronto to West Coast uh, trips. So I became uh, their frequent flyer of choice uh, program uh, about five years ago, probably. So took WestJet out. And it's funny, I've been following, you know, the airline industry and obviously the entire travel industry. Um, the Canadian Airlines um, will not sell middle seats. So, you know, I, I was bumped up to the premium area anyway, but it, it's masks the whole time. Uh, no food or drink. You know, it's a four and a half hour flight, George, uh, breathing through a mask. It's, uh, it's a new experience. I, I mean, did they have, like, there's been a couple of instances I hear where people are like, nope, not doing it. Have you run into that or is everybody in Canada? You're not allowed. I mean, in Canada, it is mandated. Um, the safest place I've felt since the pandemic broke out, quite honestly, George, was Toronto International Airport. You walk in, 100% of the people were wearing masks. Everybody was completely social distancing. Um, they had quite a process. Obviously, the, you know, the travel volume is way down. Uh, so there was, it was pretty easy to stay 12 feet apart, which we could. Um, so, you know, the overall experience was good. But, you no, know, there's no question. I actually got caught just holding my mask down a little bit as I was watching Netflix on the flight. And they came over and said, nope, back up. So... They're pretty pretty militant about it uh, on that flight for sure. No, that's good. I mean, that's good to know. So, how do 
you know, like, so right now the border between Canada and the U S is closed. Yep. Um, uh, we hear, you know, rumors, or at least it's been stated on a few different publications that that may be the case for the next year. Uh, do you buy? Oh, I hope that? not. I, well, we certainly hope not. Um, there's no, it was just extended for a month officially uh, into middle of August, I believe is, is the new deadline, George. It's, but you know, it's been what what a time, right? You and I have been road warriors for many years. Uh, I was scheduled to be home in Q2. I was scheduled to be home in my house here in Toronto uh, four nights uh, total. So you know, obviously that turned from four nights into 90 days. Um, so you know, let's let's get the border open when we can go get together and and do our events and get together as an industry again. Uh, whether it's open or closed right now, I don't think there's a lot of travel going on. Uh, regardless. So uh, it's, it's the whole thing's immensely unfortunate for all, you know, for everybody. I think it's just the ability to, to make sure there isn't, you know, transfer of, of Canadians and, and U.S. why pollinate each other right now when there's really no need. You can fly to the U.S. I mean, it, the, oh. one of the misunderstandings is the, the, uh, the land border is closed. Mm -hmm. I could get on a flight today and come down and visit you. Is that true? That is true. Well, see that? That's a misnomer. I think everybody thought that there was just a wall that went up to the space. You know? No, no, we haven't built a wall that high yet on this, this, this parallel. On the 49th parallel, it's still open, but you can fly over it. Good to know. Good to know. Well, uh, if there's something interesting, then I'm sure you'll find a way to get here. So that's good. Um, or vice versa. Um, so for people who have never run into a Dan Wensley before, and there's only one that I know of, <laughs> get like... Give, give everybody a quick stroll down professional like lane, right? How did you start and how did you get to today? Uh, I got extremely lucky. I, I, uh, I stumbled into this industry uh, well over 20 years ago, George. Um, I didn't have an email address. Uh, I know I'd never used email when I stumbled into the channel. Um, I was I actually, well. <laughs> no, sir. I was, I was in the newspaper industry overall. Um, and made the, and the only reason I was able to transform into, into it was because I understood the subscription based model business and I, ISPs of the, of the time were subscription based models. So we, I was able to translate knowledge around subscription based businesses into the ISP community. And that gave me my start. And then I, I learned email and I've been privileged George over the last 20 years working with some of the best people in our industry um, for, for really emerging technology companies is where I found my sweet spot and, and passion for the change, the evolution, the adoption, whether it's technology or service delivery model. Uh, that's what has inspired me. Um, and I've been lucky, you know, with, with warranty master, with past, portal with level platforms over the last 15 years uh to really you know have it have an impact i think on on the industry so you literally came out of the print newspaper business they probably didn't even have websites up and running at that point. oh it was the it was the only multi-billion dollar industry that put all of its cash flow through the hands of 12 year olds um so it's yeah, it was, it was quite, I, I remember to this day, it was a, a newspaper that I worked with outside of Toronto and the head of uh, subscriptions went to this emerging dot bomb company and invited me to come. 
and I met with the ownership and literally George, I knew nothing. I said, Kevin Litwiller was his name. And I said, Kevin, I'm, I'm not even coming to this interview. I know nothing about, it was internet set top boxes, believe it or not on really? 33, 33, six modems. Uh, we couldn't wait to release our 56 K modem. That was a big one. Um, but it was, I just understood the ISP industry and, and quickly learned and, and, fell in love with, with our channel industry and the rest is uh, gray haired history. Fair enough. So once you left the internet business, so like level platforms, I think people pretty much, you know, who have been around for a while, remember that that's where, you know, the, the infamous team all started, right? Rob Ray, you had a bunch of industry veterans on that team. Dude, I'm super proud of, of every one of those individuals. If you look, Alicia Vetter is is head of marketing at ASCII. Uh, everybody knows Rob Way, Ray. There's nobody who's run with it uh, better than Rob. But a lot of the Datto Canada division was the original sales force that, that Rob and I hired uh, 15 years ago. Um, they've done incredible, you know, Dave Sobel was a part of that team. Um, I, I would argue to this day, that was the best original channel team in the marketplace. Uh, and all of those people super proud to, to have watched their careers absolutely flourish and, and carry on. It's been, uh, it's been inspiring. Yeah. So like, that's like, you know, in the NFL here, we talk about the coaching tree, right? You know, like, Hey, this guy spawned these coaches who went on and won Super Bowls, right? So I feel like that was your coaching tree, right? Like that was the heyday. I got pretty lucky. It's uh, we did DattoCon a couple of years ago. It wasn't last year. It was probably three years ago, George. I think there was 20, 18 to twenty former level platforms employees at that event and we all snuck onto stage and and took a picture together. Uh, Rob was there and, and a whole team. So it's it's great. We've got you know I've got partners at ConnectWise and, and formerly Continuum and we went to AutoTab. I mean, they're all over the industry. It's, it's again, it's fulfilling. It's great to see they're, they're a great group of people. That's awesome. So needless to say, and, and I've kind of asked everybody who's come on board in one form or another, you know, you've seen a couple of dips in the marketplace over the years, right? Um, and, and probably, you know, like, 2008 is one that everybody brings up with the, you know, the banking crisis. And then there was like an early 2000s one, like 2011, 2012-ish one that kind of hit. So give us your opinion on like, what was, you know, how did, how did people make it through those versus what's happening now? I'm curious to see the differences. Yeah. Um, it's incredible. I mean, all the way from dot bomb to Y2K, the, the early 2000s or certainly 2008 was the tipping point. And early on, George, you know, we said, and you heard this, this statement made over and over, well, the, the pandemic's coming, we had to do the economic shutdown, but we know when it's going to end, and we're going to come right back. Um, certainly, one of the things we've realized here lately is that it's not going to be that cut and dry. There, there is an economic downturn. I will, I will tell you that I look back on 2008 as being an accelerator for our industry. I think it accelerated. It was a hard time. There's no question about it. Um, but it matured the industry very quickly. Um, when gas, and in that recession, gas prices went up, if you remember. And I remember Rob and I saying, you know, how do we get uh, transitional, you know, break fix partners to make this transition to managed services? We'd been out there in the marketplace for a couple of years already. And the tipping point was, can you afford to roll a truck to your customer anymore and not get paid? Mm -hmm. And so 
it actually did accelerate the hard the the sort of the transient revenue of break fix george was not going to work in an economic downturn it was to, that drove recurring revenue that drove managed services and again i think you know what we're going through here I'm sure everybody's used the word unprecedented on your show over the last couple of weeks. That's because it's true. Um, but it, it, there are so many great stories of innovation. We're going to come out of this better because of it. Um, I saw it warranty master. I've been, I've been here, you know, 13 months, George. And in talking to partners, I started um, three days before Datocon last year. And I walked into Datacom. Yeah, we were quick. That was a huge. quick turnaround. The announcement right, came was, out. You were at that. <laughs> yeah, I was there. And but it was incredible to talk to partners and, and to have that environment that Datacon put on for us, George, to to talk to literally hundreds of partners, a warranty master, and uh, learn the business and learn our value to those partners in such a short period of time. And one of the things that that they really identified was, wow, we're re you're really helping us drive hardware replacement revenue, and you're, we're, we've never done hardware as efficiently as we had previously. And you and I have been around long enough to remember when when managed service came along, we kind of said, who needs hardware? Forget hardware, right? It's it's about recurring revenue. It's about services. I I talked to many MSPs. Ah, we're out of the hardware business. We'll give it to CDW. Um, yeah, for that's sure. come full circle, dude. Like it is literally come full circle where as IOT and, you know, I looked at this and said, heart, you know, heart warranties, you know, I've done password security and I've done the original RMM solutions. I'm not going to get it into war. What an incredible uh, misconception that I had even, even originally in my first conversations with the founders, it was, wow, this is incredible. And again, the markets come full cycle today. We're at 7,000 partners in 76 countries. And I would say our impact for partners is the same or more than the original RMMs, the PSAs, you know, some of the, the new vendors that certainly in the, in the VoIP business, everything it's, it's, we're, we're right there helping partners with, with really traditional work and automating that process. Well, I mean, so zooming out a little bit when, when, when the pandemic hit and everybody went and scattered like ants, you basically ran out of places to buy stuff. Like you couldn't even get stuff for the most part. Like there was a bit of a, a, shortage in the supply chain if you would uh like you could go to the electronic store and cross and hope that you could find right. something for it. um so one of the things that seems to be coming up like when war when you you know back when they first started this company since we we're on that topic you know like one of the things that people always struggled with was and and i'd like to get your opinion on this since this is what you're doing as an msp should we be covering unwarranted like if, if I have a Dell machine that's three years out of warranty, I'm like, well, it's time to replace the system, right? Like some people have different opinions on, hey, we charge a, an extra tax on the machines that aren't covered versus the machines that are. What's what's that? What are you seeing as like this status quo on this? It's a great question. And again, this is where the evolution and maturity of asset lifecycle management has really come, George. Um, it is, and I'll make a pretty bold statement, it is almost irresponsible for an MSP to have a server inside an SMB outside of a warranty service coverage. It will cost you more as the MSP to fix. It will cause more increased downtime for your customer and you're doing them no disservice by not selling them an extended warranty to ensure that the service is gonna be there, the parts are gonna be there and that they're under coverage. Now that said, always replace hardware 
when budget allows. When cust if you can get your customers to say every every three and a half years, four years, we are swapping all this gear out. Put that in your SLA, and some of best in class do that. Absolutely do that. That we help do that. Our application helps drive a heck of a lot more hardware replacement than it does warranties. But when you don't have that opportunity, economic downturn, George, perfect example. Hardware budgets are being slashed left and right. They want that server that they spent $8,000 on to live longer. They're not going to replace it or even move to the cloud necessarily. Get that under. We've seen a 50% increase in the warranty services that we sell through to, through to our partners just in the last 90 days. So general metrics, if you have them. Um, sure. Workstations versus servers. I assume people extend their servers more than their their laptops and desktops. It, today, yes. Is that going to change? I believe so. Um, so servers, and I'll, I'll give you some round numbers and big data. We have about 10 million devices under management. Wow. 80% of those are workstations. So we okay. have about 8, 8 million, call it, uh, workstations. Uh, about 2 million networking and servers. And the other 2 million that's left over is IOT, imaging, and other. Okay, right. so there's no question. That, now, when you have workstations that are 80% of, of the assets, and they're not going to replace them as read, readily as they normally once would, is extended warranties on those workstations viable, important, going to help you drive top-line revenue as an MSP and protect your customer? The answer has got to be yes. So I think, again, in an economic downturn, you know, we've been known as a warranty lookup tool. We've been known as a hardware forecasting and replacement. You know, warranties has done really well for our partners, but a small percentage of them, frankly, to date, George, um, that is growing exponentially. We have had more first time, more partners buy their first warranty from us, again, in the last 90 days than ever before. And we've also seen, again, a 50% increase in total volume. So let me ask a question then, like, when I go put it, when I go pitch a customer a new computer, right? There's multiple different options. There's send it in for repair. There's somebody comes to me to repair. Like so, sometimes the MSPs like connected with the manufacturer, and the manufacturer like pays them to go do the hardware replacement. Like, what is this? Like, what is the level of warranty here? So let, let's take servers as an example. So we offer um, next day shipping on all parts. So the majority of partners, they know what's wrong and they need the part. So having an under an extended warranty, you can have, you can have a technician go out if, if you don't diagnose the problem yourself, or you can have the, just the part shipped to you immediately. So okay. as the MSP in servicing your customer, you've got the part, you can go in to service it, but hundreds of our partners also have the warranty services group go out and do it. And, and we even saw this during the pandemic, George, they were PPE prepared. Um, you know, most local MSPs weren't arguably prepared to walk into a pandemic um, by doing it with a, a services division that this is all they do. Uh, we're able, we were able to walk in and protect a lot of, of MSPs as well. So there's nothing but a win-win-win. To your point, I want my customer to replace their hardware. We help them identify that and, and report on that. But again, in an economic downturn or um, just they want to put it off for a little bit, get it under an extended warranty. It's revenue for the partner. It's more security and more uptime for the, for the customer. 
So two, two things immediately just came to my head. One, why this route versus going back to the manufacturer and trying to extend it through the original source? You That's can't. number one. Hold on. And number two, let me just get out of my head because I'll forget it. Number two, why this versus the other mentality, which is stock parts on the shelf, you know, and, and just do it in-house? Yeah. So let, let's take the first one. So one of the things that Warranty, far before I arrived here, one of the things Warranty Master did was, was simplification and automation, which are two cornerstones to manage services. Not only, we don't just resell uh, extended warranties, we actually automated the entire process for the MSP. When I talked to partners, I said, well, what's it like getting for, okay, I got to check that dashboard. Then I got to go to the OEM website. Then I've got to go back. And it was it was cumbersome at best, George. At worst, it cost you a ton of time. And frankly, one of the reasons why extended warranties aren't, weren't as popular as they were is too much time and effort. So yeah. we completely automated that system inside the application. You can go from identifying the opportunity to clicking a couple of buttons, having the warranty coverage done, and making your margin immediately. So automation is key. We do have partners who use us and only buy OEM. Do I think it's the right thing to do? It's totally up to them. I had a great lunch with a partner last time we were allowed to travel to an event. I said, Dan, I'll, I'll never buy non-OEM. That's fine. Guess what? When the economy turned down, OEM prices here, we're able to offer it here at higher margin. So if you want to save money for your customer, we're a great option for that. But I would never profess to say, if you only want to do OEM, go do it. Our application can still help you sell more of that. Okay. And then... But what about, again, the guy that says, hey, I'm going to buy the computer with whatever the warranty that it comes with, and then I'm just going to start stocking hard drives and power supplies and RAM and, you know. What, hey, what? If you've got money to invest in capital expenditure to sit on a dusty shelf, rather than monetize it to, to provide the service, you actually want to sell to your customer. So that's only a cost center for you, not a revenue center nor a profit center. So it's saying, hey, Mr. Customer, I'm not going to put you on a warranty. Don't worry. I've invested tens of thousands of dollars in equipment, and I hope I've got the right part at the right time. The more money you have, I guess the more option you will. But why bother? Why do it? There are stocking stations all around North America. They do this for a living. Go sell the service to your customer rather than taking on the expense. <laughs> uh Lo, lo and behold, our friend Tony pops in with a couple questions. So here oh, we go. I watched Tony's session last week and I didn't bug him with questions, but <laughs> I appreciate it. All right, here we go. Question number one, what tools will Warranty Master use to assist MSPs in managing customers and their equipment warranty, uh, warranties? So I assume that, uh, you know, tools meaning... Uh, Integrations. Tony, clarify. Are you talking about uh, you know their PSA? I speak, I, George, I speak Tony, so I I, I think I know what he was asking. Okay. Um, I think he's talking about integration. So we to collect the data as a, as a again the original concept of the platform was as a warranty lookup tool. George, yep. many of the RMMs look to try to do this, but it's very complex. You need diversity of integrations across all the platforms, all the mm -hmm. RMMs, all the PSAs, all the documentation. So we aggregate all of that data and then check it against the OEM and deliver that information autonomically right to the partner. That's always been the, where the deficiency is in this entire process is A, the data collection, but B, actually cross-referencing it with the data from the OEM and giving it to you in real time. Fair enough. 
Second question, it's a funny one. Does Dan think we will believe that he actually won that hockey trophy behind him? Tony, I love the fact that you asked that. That is a 1953 MVP player won by my father mm. who uh, was drafted to the NHL. So you're absolutely right, Tony. I didn't win it. That is my father's. There's also a picture of my dad's hockey, hockey team right there um, getting dressed. So anyway, it's, uh, thanks for pointing that out, but that is my father's. Quick question on the rebuttal here. So uh, NHL's coming back. What, yeah, what, do you, what do you think? What do you think of the plan? I have my Travaris uh, Maple Leafs jersey hanging right beside me here, George. Uh, I placed a bet last year in Vegas. I got 12 to 1 odds for the Leafs to win the Stanley Cup. Uh, I don't even know what they're doing with those tickets and whether it's still valid, but I have it right here in my wallet. Um, I think we're taking on Columbus. Anyway, long story short... We need this. Boy, do we need something else, right? We can't watch CNN or whatever anymore, or I think I've watched all of Netflix. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting hockey back in, in whatever form they can bring it to us safely. Awesome. I, I'm, I think we're all ready for it, trust me. Um, okay, so coming back to, you know, hey, 2020, we're going into, the, you know, for the rest of the year, going into the next year until this is all behind us, right? How do you suspect or what would you suggest MSPs do to try and stop bleeding in terms of reduction of, you know, covered employees, assets? Like what is the, you know, do we go out there and start doing other revenue lines that we normally wouldn't do? Like what are you, what are you hearing out there? There's two trains of thoughts, George. One is like, okay, now's time to innovate. Now's time to go look for other revenue streams. I will tell you that's probably a good idea, but I will tell you what we've seen. First of all, there was an enormous spike in, in the number of assets being managed by our partners immediately following the shutdown. To your point, it was hard to get gear, but everybody went home. I'm sitting here with five devices in front of me. Um, I work from home normally, but for a lot of them, our, our own asset count went up at warranty master when i sent all of our employees home um mm -hmm. yeah we were buying new gear for them so there was an immediate spike so yes you can get innovative yes you should look for new opportunities i will also tell you we've left a lot of money on the table because the economy was so good and okay. i think there is an opportunity to retool and again self-servingly warranties is one of the examples of that we wouldn't be seeing a 50 percent increase in our sales of warranties if that wasn't a viable uh, option during this this period. So get back to basics, lower costs where you can, operational efficiency remains king. Rob Ray and I were saying it 15 years ago at level, it remains accurate to this day. Um, and, and look where you can. The number one thing I've learned from partners, George, listen to customers. Mm -hmm. I'm listening to partners. And though those are being successful, they're common denominators, they've listened to their customers. What do you need? How can we help? We are the trusted advisor here. This is the beauty and the uh, elegance of the channel is the ability to adapt to whatever market condition we're in or whatever needs that the SMB throws at us. Fair. What, what, what is the, there's gotta be from a standardization standpoint, there's a little bit of a wrench in that plan because the home computers, the residential gear off the shelf from, you know, here in Best Buy for me, right? Like they bought whatever they could get because there was limited options in the, in the beginning. Right. I mean, webcam seems to be the most popular buy on the planet. Uh, so like, I got to think that they're going to do what they got to do for now, but in the long term, there's a standardization nightmare coming now. 
It's a great example, George. This is the trajectory we were on, right? Standardize, get everything operating the exact same way in the exact same environment. Well, this just threw a giant wrench into that, right? It was the kids' computers were coming onto the corporate networks and hardware, to your point, whatever they get their hands on was being added. New devices, IoT has exploded. Um, so I think, again, we were on this trajectory of standardization. Diver diversity isn't a bad thing as long as you can monetize it. The only reason we were going to standardization was because it would lower our service delivery costs because we could process drive everything if we always knew what the gear was. Well, that's out the window. So how do I monetize my MSP now? Guys, you just threw added complexity into this network. I'm here to handle it for you. It's going to cost X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. So would you tell people that, you know, so number one, it sounds like there's, there's, but there's a balance, Dan. Here, here's where I'm coming from. There's the, hey, I don't want to kick you while you're down mentality, but there's also the, I need to get paid for my work mentality, right? How do you, is there a blueprint for how you kind of give people a break versus charge them? I mean, there's, there's not, it seems like there's a thousand ways to slice it. Yeah, yeah, there is. And if you find the blueprint, George, let me know. Um, but I will tell you that if you're not going to generate the revenue because they don't have it, they don't have the cash to give you, that's very different than, hey, I'm struggling a little bit. Can you help me out? We're all struggling a little bit. Can I help you out? If somebody can't pay you and won't pay you, that's a very different discussion than, hey, I'm just looking to cut costs. I would argue, and I know MSPs should be able to validate, IT infrastructure is mission critical. And I'm not going to look to take budget necessarily out of my IT because that, if I don't have Zoom right now, George, I'm out of business, right? Yeah. Slack and Zoom are keeping all of us going right now. So mm -hmm. it is mission critical. So it's value versus, ex, you know, expenditure and, and price point. Um, but again, don't, we used to say in the day, George, you know, oh, fire your customers who won't go to manage services, fire the ones who aren't profitable. That hasn't changed. And if, if they're not profitable because they can't pay you, yeah, you don't have a business relationship unless you believe there's opportunity to pull through with them for value at the, at the other end, right? So it's, a, it's an ongoing balancing act. No, okay. So let's, let's follow that thread for a second. What is your opinion on the bronze, gold, silver? What's your opinion on the multi-year versus the, you know, exit whenever you feel like? And then with that in mind, you know, there's people who have used the, hey, we're just going to add time on the back end or, hey, you know, we'll defer your payments until, right? So I'd love to understand your opinion on just the blueprint, right, that everyone seems to have been following. And, you know, does it make sense, that strategy? Well, let, let's start with the long-term commitment, okay? So what was the long-term commitment supposed to do for us, George? Protect our revenue. Well, mm -hmm. the pandemic comes along, the economic downturn you don't think there's long-term contractual customers coming back, knocking on your door saying, Hey, let's, so did it actually protect you? No. Did it give you some legal probably coverage? Sure. If you want to go down that road, nobody's going down, rarely going down that road. Right? So I think the, the misconception and belief that a long-term contract protects you in any way from something like this that happens, which does happen, you know, this is the longest period in, I think, US economic history where we hadn't had a recession or an economic downturn, right? 08 to 20. So I, I will tell you that 
when I joined Warranty Master, one of my first mandates was we need to make our partners understand we're a revenue generating application, not a just a lowering cost operational efficiency application. Because I said back in 19, if and when, and I, I expected a recession to hit at some point during my tenure here, if we're only a cost savings application, we're going to be gone. You need to be driving revenue. And we really doubled down on that. But I will tell you, we've doubled down on it again here since the recession because, you know, we were doing a pretty good job telling partners. A lot of partners were seeing us as a revenue generator, but not enough were. Um, and now we've really been beating that drum and hopefully helping more partners. But it was the economic downturn that really, you know, put the fire under our butts to get out there and, and make sure that message was communicated. It's interesting you say that because our friend Tony, who says that he loves you, by the way, why don't we just bring Tony on this thing, George? Why don't we just invite should, him in? Should we? Should we? Let's we should see. bring him in. Go to a panelist. Let's see what. Let's see if he's let's in see the if this works. Higher, right? We can just add him onto the call. Uh, Tony, whenever you're ready, feel free to join us. Um, I've, I've escalated you there, but in the meantime, one of the things Tony was saying uh, last last uh, or on Tuesday was, "Hey, you know, MSP should be evaluating their stack of vendors, software, tools, apps, whatever, you know, at least every three years." Um, and then we started talking about what that looked like. So to your point, I guess your advice to the other vendors in the space is, "Hey, um, uh, providing value in terms of." saving time and, and ec economy is great, but if you're not revenue generating, you're going to be the first one cut when they're, when they're looking. We saw it in the RMM business. We, you know, we, when the 2008 hit George, we had partners leaving us and, you know, Rob and I both sat there and shook our head. How is this possible? We were a foundational remote monitoring and management platform and partners are saying, no, if it, and it, I'll never forget the quote, George, one of the partners who I know to this day, said to me, my CFO said, if it's not revenue generating, get rid of it. And I fought with this guy, said, look, we're the foundation. We're lowering your costs. You're just getting into remote versus, you know, transient break fixed revenue and having to roll. He said, no, that was the, that was the line in the sand. If it's not revenue, and I'll, I'll never forget that statement. Wow. That's a, I mean, if, you know, that, that's pretty clear cut. There's no room in that, in that statement. That's interesting. So, what so then let me go to this other part right there's there's this idea that we all drank the kool-aid too hard from an msp view right the idea up oh, there he is there he there's is an, there's an idea let me finish this thought and then we'll, we'll have tony you know give us some love there's this idea that going to the trade show keeping your credit card out and handy and swiping as you're going booth to booth was you know actually hurt people not help people right because they ended up buying and they never implemented right uh you know, from a, from a, you know, is that's still a challenge today though, Dan, right? There's, but I'll tell you, yeah, John, George, you're on the vendor side. You get it. You understand. We as the vendors don't want that either. Okay. There, there is no interest. We have no desire. And frankly, it costs us more money when we have a partner come in half committed um, and then exit. So onboarding is a big challenge for vendors. Let's, let's get some vendor secrets out into the market, right? Onboarding new customer. Yes, we all want new partners. That's why we all go to the trade shows and we communicate our message. But bringing you on for you to fail in three months or churn out is a waste of your time, a waste of your money, and same thing for us. So I think I love the early adopters of technology. We wouldn't be anywhere without it. But let's be diligent. Time and effort are the two biggest components 
to a good relationship between a vendor and an MSP. The money, forget about it. If mm -hmm. you have the time and if you can put in the effort to be successful, I would say on any trade show floor, George, there's not a vendor you can't be successful with on that floor. If you adopt it, it's a part of your technologies and you're committed to do it for your customers because you see value in it, there's no need to fail. The amount of the amount of partners we had back in the RMM days who went from Kaseya to Enable to Level Platforms to SolarWinds to GFI. It's still happening, man. Dude. It's still happening. And I think Tony will agree with me. I know why, if you're failing with an RMM, nine times out of 10, it ain't the RMM, right? Mm -hmm. We all had our challenges. We all had features we should have had or didn't have or could have had, um, but make a commitment and see it through and be successful. Interesting. So now I'm going to ask you both the same question. I, I think you have different answers here. Tony, you don't believe in onboarding fees. Is that correct? I, oh, I have. I, good <laughs> question, George. Here we go. Uh, first off, and I want to apologize about the delay. Uh, two things first. Uh, first, I absolutely love you two and have the utmost respect for Dan. Secondly, the delay was caused because I had that translator. I couldn't understand the Canadian accent. It wasn't so I had to turn off the translator and then coming on board. It was. It, it took a while. So I apologize about that. Um, and and so to answer to answer your question um, regarding onboarding fees. Um, I believe in the concept of a frictionless commerce experience from A to Z, uh, removing as many barriers as possible while trying to achieve exactly what Dan said earlier about what is driving revenue. Now, um, cost savings is great. And, and the reality is there could be a whole bunch of revenue driving actions taken, but if the resources needed is kind of a big investment especially in today's economy, probably not going to go very far. Uh, little investment for a huge cost saving, or I'm sorry, no investment for a huge, for a cost saving. That's, that's a kind of a no brainer. Uh, but little to no investment for a revenue driver. Now you're talking because they're in any type of econ uh, economy downturn, there's going to be attrition. And so what you're trying to do is compensate that for by either bringing on additional revenue or cutting costs. Uh, the, yeah, the but, but Tony, there's a lot of driver buyers that will absolutely take it for free and then do absolutely squat with it too, man. Well, and, and therein lies the interesting argument because now the argument is, um, hey, do you have to have, uh, um, uh, are you in for more sales? are you in for sticky customers? Because what Dan was saying earlier is, hey, they're going to come in and in 90 days, they, they turn, they, they burn. What does that really, you know, what does that, that really count to? That's the balance okay. and that's the challenge, Tony, right? Like, George, there isn't a vendor on the planet making money on onboarding fees. <laughs> yes, there are lots charging for it. Dan, this we're is supposed not to be arguing right now. So hold uh, on. We're going to. Don't worry, we're going to. I like when I argue with you and you're not close enough to put me to the ground. Um, <laughs> onboarding fees are done for, for a very simple reason, time and effort. And, and to your earlier statement, George, of don't just walk around a trade show floor with your credit card out. We as a vendor don't want that. And you as an MSP shouldn't be doing it because you're not committed to it. Onboarding is a cost center for a vendor. So if I've got a hundred MSPs say, you know what, I'll take a look at that. And I've charged onboarding fees and I'm going to tell you why. And we now we have, a free, we have a free trial program at Warranty Master because we're easily adopted. It takes minutes to set up. Partners get a value immediately. I will tell you with something like Passportal, that wasn't the case. 
we had to, you had to come in, get trained. You can't just load passwords into a, into an environment and not know how to secure them and all the protocols. So onboarding was a requirement. And if I did it for free, I'd go out of business because I'm just asking, give me a couple of hundred dollars to show me that you're committed to doing this. And I'm going to train to the absolute best of our ability, but I can't make a $200 investment to train you for you to go. Yeah. I just, you know, I went over here cause I'm, I'm looking at this vendor now. That's a, that's the only reason why onboarding fees are charged time, money, and effort. I want to secure your time and your effort with your money. So it's, it's, if you had a partner say I'm doing this hundred percent, and I guarantee you I'm going to be successful and here's how I'd waive that onboarding fee in a split second. Mm -hmm. But we as an industry, and this is nothing against, and frankly, it's, it's the advantage of the IT industry that we have to adopt new technologies. We have to look at them. So it, it's a, it's a catch 22. We need to look at new technologies, not all of which we're going to implement are going to make sense for our business. So where's the value? You as an MSP, don't do anything. Unless you are willing to give me $200 to be onboarded, you shouldn't be actually buying it, in my opinion. Because if, if you're saying, I'll do it for free and see how it goes, that's not a win-win for anybody. I don't want any partner to waste their time and effort. It, my my two-word response for Dan is, uh, you're wrong. Right. Uh -huh. No, I'm totally kidding. <laughs> I'm, totally, I'm just trying to be confrontational. Yeah, he's, he's right. I, I think the automation, the onboarding is, is critical. And he, um, you know, he, he kind of illustrated that with, you know, Passportal and the ease of onboarding kind of limits the, um, what on the back end we refer to as the non-recoverable engineering fees. And, so, and, and yeah, so if we're, if we're doing an integration with a company and I'm saying, hey, listen, I'm going to invest uh, 60, 90 days of my time. I have non-recoverable engineering fees that are on the back end that no one will ever see except me and you. So let's do an investment to make sure we're both going to do this together because we're going to do the heavy lifting, but you got to help me pay for that. That right. being said, if you want to do onboarding fees or whatever is going to happen on the front end, great. We're eating right. it on the back end on the integration side. Right. Um, but that's from a, the technology side. Because Tony, we could charge more for the product and just build in onboarding fees into the price of the product. And then it's not a, it's not a skew. It's not a line item. It's not even a conversation. The reason that's not done is because if I build it into the, I mean, <laughs> critical, bitter old guy, but if I just build it into the fees, that doesn't guarantee the commitment and the success of the partner later on. Give me the $200 show. I'll put up, you know, a hundred thousand dollar engineer for an hour of his time versus your 200 bucks. And we'll make the success. Let's get in this together as, as partners. Um, but don't just come in and take, take time and then, you know, move on. Well, yeah, you know, what? there's, I, I would, I would argue the, the demarcation point and it, tell me I'm wrong. Six months started IT nation in November by June, May or June of the next year. They're, if they haven't implemented it, that's when it's going to churn out. Well, well, you know, the, the, the interesting word that you used there was partner. And I think that's, that really is such an overused cliched word. And it, it actually hurts the word, the term, because what's happening is the partnership is, let's say you do have an onboarding fee, but somebody who's actually a partner invests in that, you know what you're willing to do at that point? waive the onboarding fee because they're actually acting like a partner. It's no longer a vendor customer relationship where here's the charge, here's what you're going to get, but they're actually doing some level of investment. Maybe it's a, their team is better at onboarding in some capacity or a level of commit right. for customers that compensates for the onboarding, the non-recoverable recoverable engineering time on the, on the back end on your side. But that partner 
ship experience is so fascinating and we're more and more starting to experience this with our partners with our msbs um and we're trying to do everything we can now i have to go get a marketing team and and help them market their stuff out as opposed to just build the cool stuff on the back end so um it's i love that you use that term because you're using it correctly Yeah, it's always been, I had a huge debate over this. It's, it's treat them like a partner, but act like they're a customer. Because what I hate about the term partner, Tony, is it's, oh, sorry, that bad release. Sorry, we're partners. We'll get, that's not acceptable, right? I need to treat every partner like a client, like a customer, but have the relationship like a partner. We are in this together, but that is not a, an excuse uh, for any failure. Okay. So here's the next one. And it falls right after this. Tony, you think the NFR should be just part of the part of the deal, right? I would love to hear Dan's opinion on that. <laughs> you, you are. I don't know if you're attempting. You're trying to be as divisive between me and Dan as possible. Like, what can I do to completely sever the relationship? You have like, listen, you're still severing. You two come from completely separate backgrounds. You have different views on this. And this is the stuff that's talked about in the hallway. I want to hear it. Let the people know what your opinion is. What's an NFR, George? Do, do, would you tell me what? So set us up. Give me a value my, of an NFR. Well, let me give you my opinion of it because maybe my opinion is different. Maybe that's what's causing the, the, the risk. We'll find out, so, Tony. So the, uh, an NFR license, a not-for-resale license, is typically provided by the vendor to the reseller to consume and uh, internally and almost practice the uh, uh, consumption internally so it's easier to display and sell resell consequently and there's typically a limited amount of those nfr licenses provided by the the vendor that's typically uh uh traditionally uh capped are they off good or bad are they good or bad tony get to the point i love them I think they're amazing. I'm a huge fan of the best way to sell a puppy to a kid is to give it to him for three days. You're never going to give it back, get it back. I'm a huge fan of give, give, uh, let's say three to five, 10 NFR license to every single reseller. It's good for six months. And if they have a customer, great. They keep the NFR licenses capped at 10. Um, if they don't, then guess what? They're either paying for it or they ditch it. And, and, you know, figure out really quick. George, you're, you're striking out on controversy, my friend, because I completely agree. We do we do 150 Stop. free trials every single month. Uh, NFR is absolutely a way to give value uh, to a partner to try it. It, it is it is the counter to the onboarding fee because or because it if we were going to use it as a non NFR, then it's charging for the license. That's kind of like an onboarding fee, right? So we agree on the onboarding fee, the reasons why and the value to both parties that it may represent. And I completely agree on the NFR. Uh, I want every partner to be successful with it day one and move forward, whether that's onboarding, whether that's a free trial or an NFR license. I mean, are we giving it all away? I mean, we're giving them no onboarding. We're giving them the NFR for unlimited until eternity. No, I didn't say that. I said charge for the onboarding when when it's a requirement that you as a vendor need to gain the commitment of a partner and tell, and I want partners to understand the onboarding there is not there to take your money or to to rake you over the coals for the three or five or thousand dollars you might charge for. It's to cover the cost and measure the commitment of the pursuing partnership. What what if the what if the NFR what if they pay for the onboarding they turn on the NFR they never sell a thing now what? For the vendor standpoint, bluntly, George, at, at least we have covered some costs. It's a failure. It's a failure. Obsolescence. Why not? Why not say the NFR? And this is where the technical back end, the 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 automation 
which equates to scalability comes into play. And this is, this is literally all I think about every single day is how can I do something to set it, forget it, and it'll auto expire, engineered obsolescence, or when sure. acquired a new customer, and, and I'm, I threw out this, I had, by the way, after the last uh, podcast, George, multiple vendors called me, hey, at the 45 minute mark, you were talking about NFRs. Can we talk about that? Because we, we, we have a distinct difference on uh, and, um So I'm of the belief, and I'm throwing this out there, um, this is, I, this is a Hail Mary, by the way, it's, it's, it can it scale it down. I believe that if, if we can say to a vendor, give me 10 NFR licenses that I can give to my hundreds of MSPs, my partners, 10 each, and they don't have to use it right away, but we say, if you activate this service, you now get 10 for six months. And at the end of the six months, we will tally if you have a minimum of X amount, let's just say 10 licenses underneath you, meaning a combination of five seats in one customer, five paid seats for, in another yeah. customer. Um, if there's paid for, you get to keep those 10 NFR licenses internally indefinitely until you have less than 10. And it's our responsibility to A, calculate that, and B, provide here's who have the, have the licenses, here's how many licenses are out there and pending, timelines, et cetera, to the vendor. But the point is that I believe that I think 20% of the top are going to start producing customers right away. Congratulations. 20% of the bottom are probably never even going to use the software at all. And in between, there's going to be a combination. That bulk of it is going to be a combination, but I challenge that a, a big chunk of them are going to just say, hey, we didn't have a chance to actually go out and sell it because it hasn't hit our technical refresh window where we actually, you know, uh, we identify software we want to put in our stack and sell to our customers, but we actually like using it. So we are going to pay for the software, which means you just acquired revenue. And I'm of the belief that that will work because there's almost no effort from the vendor. There shouldn't be any effort from the vendor side. It should all be done from, well, the distribution side. It does, Tony. But let the other thing is don't just, you know, do that and cross your fingers and hope. Our goal, our mutual goal between the partner and the vendor is to take that. There, there are going to be a percentage who never, just for whatever reason, have to get distracted. There are going to be some who just take it and run. You're right that the middle portion of that, that 80 percentile, it is our mutual desire, both by the customer, the partner, the MSP, and the vendor, us, to be, make more of those guys successful. How do we do that? That's been the magic of this industry. Is it better onboarding? Is it better materials? Is it better? Is it five more licenses? Will that be the difference for you to be successful? Those are the magic we need. What, what I can't excuse, both from my own team and any potential partner is nobody wants to waste anybody's time or money. I don't, if when, you know, we did onboarding fees at Passportal and I hated it, but knew it was required because I needed that level of commitment. And I'd say, do not give me your money. Do not spend your time unless you're committed to do this because it's worked for thousands of other partners. We're either going to do this or not. Now, knowing some will, majority did. But the, the, that's what I love about the onboard. It's really a barrier. Before I take your money, I want your commitment. Okay. All right. Next question. Uh, Cheesesteak or meatball sub? <laughs> there is. Okay. There is for everyone out there listening. There is a, um, there's a story out there and I'm not going to get into the specifics or, or the long history of it, but, but at the end of the day, I never, ever, ever thought a Philly cheesesteak was anything everywhere I went. Um, it was nothing. Uh, and even to the outskirts of uh, Philly, I was like, nothing, nothing. So we, George is offended, like at a, at a deep, deep, <laughs> deep level. And says, Tony, when you get here, this is where we're going. 
And, and of course, it's no big, I'm like, whatever. And just to hedge my bets, because I'm really hungry, one of us gets a cheesesteak. And I said, I'll have a meatball sandwich. Hey, we'll just split just in case, just in case. I'm a big fan of meatball sandwiches. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I, I think each of us took a bite out. We we're fighting over the remnants of his cheesesteak. It was amazing. And from that, you have earned uh, a deity status, in my opinion. Like it was, uh, it was magical. It was actually, it was a life-changing event. So uh, yeah, well said. Why don't we go to something more controversial and I should drop because I love hearing Dan. And every time I listen to him, when I'm not saying that I listen to him often, I hate listening to him, but I do learn something every single time. Why don't we talk about the, the topic about um, what is worse? Is it uh, country music or Canadians? Um, Oof. You know, <laughs> these are, these wow. are very competitive hey, questions Tony. Our border's already closed, my brother, so <laughs> I can get away with a few things right now. <laughs> no, you guys, continue, continue your talk. And you guys are amazing. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Tony. <laughs> Thanks, Tony. Thank you, guys. You had a great session on Tuesday I listened to. <laughs> Thanks, man. Cheers. Uh, all right. couple couple closing thoughts here, Dan. If you sure. were asked by one of your partners, one of your former partners, an MSP, you know, at the restaurant down the street that you stumbled into on the sidewalk. Uh, what is the best advice you can give me to get out of 2020 intact? What would you give him? What would you tell him? Um, throw the old playbook out and build the new one. Um, I think, I think everything has to be reevaluated and relooked at because we were on a completely 180 degree uh, view. I, I will tell you, George, we were scheduled, and I'll, the example is Warranty Master. You know, I'd, I'd been in, in the role for all of 20, half of 2019. We're coming in. I spent most of 2019 planning for 2020. Uh, we had a phenomenal, I added a million dollars in salaries in the first 45 days of this year. Um, wow. we, were, we are, and we're planning to do huge things. We had so much money allocated to events. We are going to be out on the show floor higher than anybody. We were even higher sponsorship at DattoCon, IT Nation, all of them. I think I said to you earlier, I was scheduled to be home in Q2 for four nights. Um, We threw that entire playbook out and we said, okay, here's the new reality and here's the new thing that we're going to do for 20 the remainder 2020 and we stuck to it there was rumored oh event you know events are coming back are you guys gonna no we we decided on march 16th we were not going to do another event in 2020 now i'd feel horrible if if i if events were going on right now george and i was missing out on them it would be killing me um but i had to make that we had to make the decision there's only one track we can go down and we want to execute to it in a d- defined plan. And that would have been the track we, now turns out not a lot of events are happening. So, but again, it could have gone the other way, but we would have stuck to our plan because it was the right economics. So I, I think retool, reevaluate everything. And I'm not saying throw out vendors or retool or do any of this stuff, but I would take the time to sit down and reevaluate. Okay. Fair enough. Um, if somebody came up to you on the show floor and said, hey, waive your onboarding fee and tell Tony Francisco to get to go scratch, but I want half off, you do that deal? Uh, so I have to waive my onboarding fee. I get to tell Tony off and I give yeah. a 50% discount? That's right. Um, I don't have an onboarding fee. I would buy the guy a beer. If he tells Tony off, I'll, I'll give it to him for free. Okay. Um, well, there you go, but- guy. No. <laughs> 
this, this is a partnership. Uh, the, the products, our products are priced at an at a opportunity for us to make money, continue to innovate, continue to provide value to partners uh, and for partners to make money in the case of warranties and things like that. So we don't have an onboarding fee. Again, I've run that model before in the channel. I am a supporter of it because I think it's the right thing to do for the partner and the, and the company itself. Um, with Warranty Master, I'm blessed. It's free trials. It's so easy. This, this is the most automated application I've ever been a part of, and it's, it's a great place, to, great place to be, George, both for partners and for, for Dan. Where do people find you? Warrantymaster.com or, or Dan at Warrantymaster.com is my email. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope this was entertaining. This was, uh, this was a good one. You know, three-way, uh, you know, in the ring, WWE edition, I think. Um, Dan, I, I'm, I'm hoping that – it sounds like we're not going to see each other in person before the end of the year, but um, I'm sure we'll, we'll have plenty of virtual happy hours left in the, in the hopper. Yes, and, sir. Uh, you know, if, if by chance an IT nation or something like that pops off at, towards the end of the year, if things – settle down i hope we do get a chance to have a beer in person you know i'll be there if the opportunity is there at least to, to fly in and see friends so for sure thanks george thanks everybody for watching see you next tuesday and then thursday after that one o'clock eastern mspinitiative.com this session is recorded and you can go back and rewatch all of those you know those battles uh and uh, make sure to send, make sure to send tony you know your comments directly he'll, he'll hate mail it. hate mail you mean hate mail for tony Right, exactly. Have a good Thanks one. Thanks a lot. Guys. Thank you, George. Bye. Bye.